Hello, ladies, gentlemen, and non-binary friends. Welcome back to another episode of Actors with Issues. As always, I am your host, Juan Ayala. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we have a wonderful guest. We'll get into that interview in just a second. I just wanted to say thank you all so much for listening to the show. We're nearly 75 episodes in, and it has been a crazy, crazy year and a half doing this show. It has been therapeutic. It has been cathartic. It has been insightful. So thank you all so much for supporting the show. Uh, apologies for, for uploading this a day late, but we couldn't get anyone to fill that Monday spot, but we uh, just did this interview today. We're uploading it today so that you folks can get some insight into the entertainment industry and our guest's newest project. So uh, today's guest needs no introduction, but here goes. You know her from her Tony-nominated performance in Sister Act on Broadway, her dazzling Tony-winning performance in Pippin as a leading player. She has starred in over 100 episodes of one of my favorite political shows, Madam Secretary, and also starred in the PBS Civil War era drama, Mercy Street. You have seen her in movies like The Hunger Games, Mockingjay, Parts 1 and 2, and The Many Saints of Newark. And in her latest role, she is like you've never seen her before, as Raquel, aka Rock and the third chapter of the ever-growing Powerverse in Power Book 3, Raising Canaan. Today's guest is none other than the wonderful Patina Miller. Let's dive in. Uh, so Patina, when was it that you realized that you could turn this dream career into an actual career? Because I know for, for so many folks, it doesn't always seem achievable. So when did you sort of come to that? Um, I came to it very early on. I uh, grew up in a small town, you know, like three stoplights not many opportunities for for theater um tv or any sort of creative outlet really um but i started going to a performing arts camp in the summer called alpha arts mm -hmm. and i would spend my summers there i would get up at 7 a.m i would go get on a bus and i would learn about music and acting and got to be really creative and so that was around like eight between eight and 12 that I started doing it every summer. And um, one of my last summers there, I uh, got cast as Miss Hannigan in Annie, uh, mm -hmm. the musical. And I remember being on that stage that day, my mom came to see the show and the audience, cause I sing, I grew up singing. My, my grandmother mm -hmm. was a singer and minister. My mom was a singer. So singing was the thing that I was, most used used to and so then to get on stage and perform i remember after um annie every tragedy that could happen not tragic just tragic like the christmas tree fell over like the oh kids didn't know their lines i was one of the oldest in the program at the time but i remember ending that show thinking like oh my god like taking my bow and and getting that last bow and well one of the last bows and i thought yeah I know I keep talking that I want to do this, but I actually really want to do it. And this was, you know, small town stuff. And I told my mom after that, I said, you know what? After doing this, I said that day, I said, like, this is what I want to do with my life. How do I make it happen? And then a lot of things started to happen in like the next year or two. There was this performing arts boarding school in another town, Greenville, South Carolina, called the Governor's School for the Arts and Humanities, where mm -hmm. I could go and train at a high level during the summer. And you have to audition though. And it was the first time I had ever auditioned for anything, really. Uh, I auditioned for the acting program. I did not get in the first time and I was so devastated. And then my mom was like, don't cry, just do it again if it's what you want. So the opportunity came around again and I said, I'm just gonna do it again. 
And I got, I did my audition. I got in, I went to the performing arts boarding school camp. And at the end of that camp, I was the only one that they wanted to transition over to the performing arts high school. So from there, I left home at 15. I got to, to be with people like me who wanted to be creative and do work and artists, dancers, actors. From there, I got a full scholarship to, so my dream started to like make sense now, right? Like I'm in a mm-hmm. program and I'm, it's free. It's free. Like, this is free. I got the best teachers to continue my education, but I also trained as an actor at um, 15, 16. And when I graduated, I got a full scholarship to Carnegie Mellon for uh, the musical theater program. And, and, you know, it changed my life. And then from there, the rest is history. But it just sort of it became apparent to me so young that it's what I wanted to do. I didn't want to do anything else. And um, I just kept doing what I needed to do to make it happen. We're about to hit like 75 episodes of this particular of this particular podcast. And a through line is often like just getting started because not every town or even nearby city has those types of programs. So it's such a difficult process for young actors to be like, where do I start? How do I get yeah. the ball rolling? And that's, I mean, it's a testament to your, your, your talent and your skill and, and your work ethic, how far you've come because you had so much of that accessible to you. And I think that's yeah. so important, that accessibility to the arts Absolutely. everywhere. It's the know? first thing to go in a lot of programs, right? Like mm-hmm. the minute they cut funding, it's always the arts, but the arts is the thing that like we need the most, you right. know? That, and, and so it's sad, but I'm very lucky that with the little bit of programming that I had in a neighboring town, it just at least sparked the idea for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's all people need. That's all people need is just that little nudge to see, you know, see themselves reflected one to have access to theater at high school, theater in school, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Dance at school, these types of programs. And, and to get that sort of like, Oh my idea, I can do this, you know? Yeah. Like you said before, the rest is history. Tony nomination for sister act, Tony win for Pippin Madam Secretary, which, as I said, is one of my favorite shows. Um, I, I miss it dearly. <laughs> I know. I miss it, too. I actually do. Now your current starring role is in the second spinoff, the third overall series of the Power franchise. And you play, to put it light, not even put it lightly, but you play a badass. And <laughs> Rock is just such, it's, it's so interesting to me when you have these sort of prequel type of series, how you're getting backstory. Um, for Kanan, who as for who the listeners who are not aware in uh, power is played by the executive producer of the show, um, Curtis Jackson, also known as 50 Cent. So what, what can you tell us about the process of of getting into this character? Because it's unlike anything we've seen you do. Yeah. You know, we have a leading player, you have Daisy, you have all these characters, and this is like the darkest we've seen you go. So what's that whole yeah. process been like for you? The whole, but I will say the whole process is kind of in cathartic in a way. I've been able to put all of the things that like I've ever dealt with in my life, you know, like you're, you, you people only see one side of you, right? Like you don't, they don't know the whole thing. And so mm-hmm. I, I was able to bring a lot of my personal experience into rock and, you know, anytime you can bring yourself to a project, to a character, it just makes it much more grounded, much more real, but rock really hit hard for me because I, I, I recognize this woman. I know who this woman is, um, you know, minus 
her occupation. I recognize what a businesswoman she is. I recognize how savvy she is and, you know, how passionate she is. My mom was a single mother. My mom had me at 15. So I'm the child of a young mother. Um, you know, I wasn't the child of a two parent home. So I know what that is. I know what that experience is like, um, not having opportunity, but my mom pushed me always to like, follow your dream, follow your dream. And you know, she was, could be a little hard at times. Like, why are you crying? Don't cry. If you want it, go and do it again. You know, cause she was serving as the mom and dad at times for me. Um, so I started to really see as I read the first script, like, oh my God, I know who this character is. Like, she's my mom, but she's also my aunt. She's my grandmother. She's like a lot of women that I had access to growing up. And so once that kind of settled for me, I was able to go and find other things that made sense. Like, okay, I'm the first in my family to go to college. That's a lot of pressure for me, right? Like to be uh, have the success and what that means and taking care of others, you know, um, the responsibility of that. Um, I know what that is, you know, and rock does that rock takes care of everyone. Rock is the provider for her family, you know, as a black woman carrying all the weight on your shoulders. Like I know all too well what that is. And so that was easy for me to go into her being a mother. I was able to find a parallel to being a lioness that my cub, what would I do if I was in a situation? So whenever I started to attack it from that way of a personal experience, I was able to just open up so many different things. And Rock is a dreamer. Patina's a dreamer. Rock is, you know, she's a hustler. Patina's a hustler. How does that translate? Like, what can we play with? Yeah, she's a boss. She's a badass. But she also is very vulnerable and wants to be loved. And the idea of having a white picket fence with symphony, even though it's going to never happen in that moment, it's a, it's a moment of her being relatable and being a real person with real emotion, you know, being afraid for her son and having to make calls as the, 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 the boss that somebody has to make that could be ruthless, save my son. I guess I'm gonna have to take out his friend. It's ruthless. It's very savage, but she's willing to do that to take the heat off her son because she loves him so much. So I really try to find what's the love, the love of family, the love of being the matriarch, the love of the legacy, creating a legacy for not only her son, but everyone she's around and what that means. Um, so she's just been a pleasure to craft and yeah. I, I've drawn on all of my training. And that, that's when I am so lucky for my training at such a young age. I didn't have a normal upbringing. You know, there were a lot of times I missed home, um, but I was always doing the thing that I love to do. And it was hard. And sometimes I was the only black person in the room and that came with its own challenges, but it prepared me to step in to what this show is, what these characters are and what we're saying and what the message of the piece is. And so it's prepared me for where I am now.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, it's Juan here. If you're enjoying this week's episode so far, please subscribe to the podcast wherever it is that you're listening and head over to Instagram at Actors with Issues and give us a follow. It really helps us out with getting sponsorships and booking some higher profile guests. If you have any friends or family that are actors and may want to hear advice from those who are in the thick of it, please recommend the show to them too. And if you guys have any questions for future guests, you can leave those in the comments on any of our Instagram posts and we'll be sure to include those in our next interview. Thank you all so, so much for your constant support. Now, let's get back to the show. What's something that you know now that you wish you knew earlier on in your career? That my instincts are great, that I should trust myself more, that, um, you know, early on in the career, I was looking for everyone else, you know, tell me this, tell me that, like, am I doing this? But now... It's something you have to learn as a young person, but as like a professional in this business, trust your instincts and owning my voice more has mm-hmm. been another thing. So that's been the biggest uh, revelation for me. And I feel so much more free now that I know that. So our last round of questions is called Now That We Know You, and it's untimed, so no pressure to answer quickly. Oh my God, okay, thank you. <laughs> uh, fill in the blank. If I weren't working in the arts, I'd be... I'd be a therapist. What's something you wish you had more time to do? Travel. Uh, what's a world issue you think people should care more about? Um, I think what I think they should care more about, um, you know, children um, in the system, just really globally, but really specifically uh, in America and how many young mm-hmm. people are affected or homeless and like, don't have a place to be. I think there needs to be more attention on that. Uh, what's the best advice you ever got? From Whoopi Goldberg, who told me to go all the way and don't be afraid. Do it the way you want to do it and like have a good time. And what's the worst advice you ever got? They know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> What do you think is uh, the biggest misconception that actors have about the entertainment industry? The biggest misconception, oh, you know what? That it's just glitz and glamour. Um, not all actors, but I think young actors um, think that it's, it's glitzy and it's glam and it's, um, you're either a star or you're nothing. But there is a nice place in between where you're working and you're happy and you're doing really great work that you're proud of. And that's a really great spot to be in. It is not always butterflies and, 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 and you know, sunshine. It can be dark. Um, it can be sad at times. It could be disappointing. But finding the love for what you do and, and being happy with that there is a nice space to just, wow, this is something I've always wanted to do. Wow, we're storytellers. Being able to be a storyteller is one of the most amazing um, gifts 
if you're lucky to have that to be able to do. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway from the pandemic? That life is short. And uh, lastly, in 10 words or less, what advice would you give to a young actor? My advice to a young actor would be to study, prepare now so that you're ready for when the opportunity comes. Um, don't be afraid of no, because a lot of no's will lead to a yes, but you have to be strong enough and you have to have enough strength, um, whatever that is, to continue to stay the course if it's something that you really, really want. And it's not easy. Patina, thank you so, so much for joining us. Uh, I wish we had more time, but it's been an absolute pleasure thank getting you. to chat with you. Uh, if folks want to find you on Instagram, where can they find you? They can find me at Patina Miller on Instagram. I am there and I am all in my DMs. So, <laughs> <laughs> And you all can follow us on Instagram at Actors With Issues. Give me a follow at Juaniala Official. And if you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you're listening and catch new episodes on our new release day every Monday. I'm Juaniala. That's Patina Miller. This is Actors With Issues and we'll see you next week.